Gang, we all know that a premium Spotify subscription gives you access to millions of songs and thousands of podcasts. But did you know that a premium Spotify subscription also gets you access to tons of audiobooks for free? It does, gang. Listen to great books like Storyteller, the Dave Grohl memoir, or Life by Keith Richards, or The Woman and Me by Britney Spears. Listen, there's all kinds of books on there. There's fiction, nonfiction, self-help, anything you're looking for, man, they got it, and you can listen to it for free. Just go to Spotify.com or download Spotify from your app store and start listening today. That's Spotify. Millions of songs, thousands of podcasts, and now audiobooks. Available with your premium subscription. Spotify.com. Let's get down. Hey gang, I want to thank you for listening to this episode of How Did I Get Here? I know you have a lot of choices out there, and the fact that you're listening to this episode right now is not lost on me, so thank you. I'm not sure what platform you're listening on, but whatever platform you're on, give us a follow. And if you like what you hear, leave us a rating. It takes just a second, and it means the world to me. Plus, it really helps the show. So thank you in advance. And remember, the last 100 episodes of How Did I Get Here are available on all streaming services. Now, enjoy the show. Johnny, I'm your host. Welcome to the show. I hope you guys had a great first week of the year. First of all, it might have only been a four-day week for you, so maybe that's good, right? A little shorter. But the first week of the year is always tough, man, because you're hanging on to those resolutions that you made Sunday, and then it starts to get to be like Wednesday, Thursday. Then by Friday, you're like, oh, I want a cigarette, <laughs> or, uh, or uh, I'm going to have some coffee, or I'm going to eat meat again, or whatever it is you get excited. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's tough to hang on to those resolutions, but I wish you luck. Do what you can. Be easy on yourself. Don't beat yourself up too hard unless you're like, you know, unless you're thing. Sorry. Police are freaking out out there. Um, Anyway, yeah, go easy on yourself. New Year's resolutions are difficult. Um, I did forget to mention a show that I played last night with Shannon Brackett. Harmony Kelly and David Polkingham at Saxon Pub. We did a songwriter in the round. I'm doing this on Thursday afternoon, so I don't really know how it went. Hopefully it went great. I'll tell you all about it on Tuesday's show. But I do want to tell you guys that I am a part of a new band. It's called Happy Land. It's Kimmy Rhodes, her son Gabriel Rhodes, Sean Pander, me, and Louis Rhodes, who's Gabriel's son. Three generations of Rhodes people in the band. And Harmony Kelly on bass and John Chipman on drums. It's a great band where we all play each other's songs and sing on each other's songs. And uh, it's kind of a it's kind of a songwriter in the round, but a band. It's like a song trading band, kind of like the Eagles, but with more people. So uh, hopefully it started out a lot friendlier. <laughs> hopefully it'll stay that friendly. It's called Happy Land. We're doing our first shows are going to be on Mondays at Saxon Pub, but it's not every Monday. We're playing the 22nd and the 29th at the Saxon Pub. That's January, Monday, January 22nd, Monday, January 29th at the Saxon Pub at 6 p.m. before the great Bob Schneider. 
So come on out. It's a Monday. It's a happy hour show. Come have a cocktail. Watch the band. There's great songs, great harmonies. We've been working really hard on the band. Uh, we put a lot of re- time into rehearsal this week. We're doing a bunch of rehearsals next week. So, uh, yeah, come on out. That'll be January 22nd. I will be telling you all about it uh, in the weeks to come. Oh, man, there must be something going on. They're really going crazy. Um, gang, I have a great show for you guys today. Once again, we're digging back into the history of Austin. I'm going to be talking to Ron, Rod Sherwood, who was in a band. He was a guitar player and keyboard player and songwriter in a band called Those Who Dig. Now, do you remember Those Who Dig? If you were, if you do remember them, they were around 1991 to 1993. They were around for two years and they played 92 gigs. All right. They put out a couple of EPs and they put out two LPs and uh, they I knew who they were and I saw them play and I fell in love with this song of theirs called Mr. Banana Head, uh, which I loved, by the way. I was obsessed with this song to the point where I got a hold of Rod Sherwood. At one point, we got together and worked on a song. We talk about it in our conversation. But anyway, those who dig was like kind of a um, alternative alternative music was kind of what was known as college rock, which was bands like, you know, R.E.M., um, uh, Talking Heads. It was bands like Sonic Youth and some of the harder bands, but there was sort of this whimsical kind of thing. And then a movement that went on here in Austin during that time, there was a band called Poi Dog Pondering. Uh, there was a band called uh, uh, Twang Twang Shockaboom, which we talk about a lot in this. And th- uh, those who dig were akin to that. Also the Duck Hills, my friend Benjamin's band. It was that, that kind of like sort of like college rock, like quirky, whimsical songs that were funny, but like really good music and good singing, and good harmonies. And, and anyway, they were a band that formed in college. They went out there. They did all of this work. They put out two EPs, two LPs, wrote a ton of songs, played 92 shows. And then as college started ending, they started ending and they went their separate ways. And then in 2020, they started talking again over Zoom, as many people did, missing the days that they were playing in music. You know, some of them went off and became doctors. Some of them went off and and did stuff. Uh, Kit Pongetti and Rod Sherwood, who I talked to, Rod, uh, they ended up staying in music and moved out to L.A. and got a deal with uh, with V2 Records. And uh, and then Rod ended up managing bands and uh, and Kit ended up uh, acting and and doing comedy and stuff in Los Angeles. But the rest of the guys all ended up being professionals. But in 2020, they decided to reform. They got their shit together. They went back to, uh, they did one of their, their first record at Cedar Creek Studios here in Austin. They went back to Cedar Creek, started recording, and they've recorded an album's worth of music. One of the singles is out right now. It's called Life Is What You Make It. But there's going to be an LP coming later this year, hopefully in the spring, beginning of the summer, called Begin Again. You can find these guys at thosewhodig.org. Okay, now I know that that was a lot to lot to talk about, right? That that was a lot, but this band, those who dig, like uh, Rod and I, have a really great conversation about sort of what was happening at that time around Austin and and the clubs we were playing. In fact, one of the uh, I've, I'm going to put a poster in the How did I get here? Uh, Facebook page and on on my Instagram, which is Johnny Gowdy. You can follow me there. But I'll put a poster, Mr. Rocket Baby, the band that I was in from 1993 to 95. Uh, one of our first gigs that we played was playing with those who dig at one of their last gigs at Chances, which was one of the places that's in uh, A Curious Mix of People, that book that, of course, I've been referencing for the last few episodes. Anyway, 
Rod Sherwood and I have a fantastic conversation about coming up in this scene, early 90s music, a lot about Twang Twang Shockaboom, a lot about just the scene, what was going on, the scene around UT, the Texas Tavern, the Cactus Cafe, the Hole in the Wall, Liberty Lunch, all those things. Great conversation with Rod Sherwood and uh, uh, from the band Those Who Dig. As I said, you can find them at thosewhodig.org those who dig.org. All right. So without further ado, please enjoy my conversation with a uh, guitar player, keyboard songwriter and vocalist from the band. Those who dig Rod Sherwood. Let's get down. and played guitars one afternoon, unless I'm just imagining this. No, I did that. You I, and I. Got, I believe that. I, your name sounds really familiar to me. Yeah, What's, we got, to, I mean, this was like 1993 or something. I remember you and I got together and those who did had just kind of broken up and we were writing tunes for an afternoon or something like that. I recall us talking about, of all things, Radiohead Creep had just come out. And I remember both of us were kind of like, I dig that tune or something like that. Yeah. Um, and this was, you know, just during Radiohead's first album. I don't know. If it, I, the other thing is I could be completely imagining all that, but I'm pretty sure that in 1993, you and I got together just for an afternoon to write tunes, something like that. Probably um, because usually... Maybe 93, 94. There's a lot of people like throughout my... Uh, like I've, whenever I've gone and seen a band and I like their songs, I'm like, want to write a song? Yeah. So that does sound on on par with, <laughs> with my actions. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Lots of lots of years have passed, but I I'm pretty sure I'm 98 percent sure that that happened, and it's not just a, a dream I had or a figment of you know. Something. Yeah. You were in New York. I texted Kit. Yes. Uh, do you, uh, I'm I'm in this band Skyrocket. That's like a. a Cool. Super hits of the 70s and 80s cover band that I've been playing with for like about a little over 20 years, but you might know some of the people. It started off as just a fun thing. Do you remember uh, Trish and Darren? Like Trish Murphy? The name is familiar, but I've lost a lot from those years. Uh, <laughs> in the, old, in the old noggin. I understand. Um, and do you remember the Duck Hills? Yeah. Yeah, the Benjamin, Definitely. the singer from the Duck Hills is in the band. So it's like an old school Austin people got awesome. together and made a band. So you manage bands, huh? That sounds fun. Um, I have in the past. Yeah. Okay. These days I haven't. Uh, I mainly managed one band. I was working with this band called Ovois Simone. Uh-huh. They were a they were a book Brooklyn um, keyboard trio back in, this was 2004 through 2012 or so. I managed them and produced their first two albums. Um, and then I kind of dabbled in management after that, but wasn't really for me. It was a little too, it was fun. I enjoyed managing that band because I was so invested in their albums, having produced them and things were going really well. So that was fun. But in general, that's a lot of work to manage a band. It's very demanding. If yeah, you're doing man. it right, you know, yeah. <laughs> if you're doing it correctly, it's a lot of work. Um, 
it's that pretty was funny. thankless. It was fun. It's like I, being I, a I'm, mom or something. It's just this incredibly, incredibly thing. I mean, they were generous with me, you know, <laughs> at times, but in general, yeah, you, you get, you know, it's thankless and if things go to crap. You can be to blame or whatever. Oh, it, yeah. was, it was never bad. I enjoyed it. It was just a lot of work. You know, I was just waking up at in the morning and having 50 emails and you're like, okay, I got to like respond to these. And then I'm going to get 50 back from that. And this is going to happen until I'm going to be doing this until, you know, 9am till 10pm tonight. And there was a lot of days like that. Um, it was rewarding, but a lot of work. I much prefer producing. I like producing bands and kind of staying connected to them, you know, staying affiliated with them and helping out as much as I can, you know? Yeah. I wish I would have read this uh, this beforehand because I would we did we played at Hill Country Barbecue and we played a public show on Friday and then a private one on Saturday. But I ended up going to a bar. You live in Brooklyn now. I live in Williamsburg. Yeah, Williamsburg, nice. Um, yeah, I went to Bushwick. My friend has a uh, club there called Sleepwalk, a bar. Cool, it's really nice. Yeah, yeah, awesome. That's that's next door, adjacent, adjacent city. Wonder where the kid is. I don't know. Well, she knows we have it. Let me check my email here and see if she responded. There. Okay. Do you want me to call Lila and get another member in here? If no, can't make I mean, it? if is it's it, one person, is that, is that, is that what? I, I always prefer one person because you can just go deeper. But it, since it's the band, cool. whatever you guys want to do, I'm down. And even if she pops well, in, if she, she shows can up, pop she... in. Yeah. Sounds good. Let's wait for that if that happens. So, uh, okay, so one of the things I noticed on the date of the poster of Those Who Dig and Mr. Rockababy at Chances was that I looked at your at your past gig dates on your website and I noticed that uh, that was one of your last gigs and it was one of our first gigs. Oh, really? Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Cool. So you guys... Were you in another band... Yeah, I was in a band called Love Tree before that. We played with Love Tree as yeah. well. Yeah, I we know we know we know Love Tree. We played with you guys somewhere along the way too. There's got to be a poster. I knew that because I, I I that's what I was telling the bass player for Mr. Rocket Baby was also in Love Tree, and I was like, I know because I I remember having that record. I remember I remember stickers yeah. too, and it's funny. There's a picture of one of your stickers from back then. I'm like, <laughs> dude, those stickers yeah. hung on until like '97, '98. Like around town, I swear to God. We took a lot of pride in those stickers and how how high we put them. That's <laughs> what it was. Could, placement, man. <laughs> yeah, I think somebody even mentioned that there was some kind of <clears throat> Daily Texan blurb back in the day, and they said those who dig or those who put their stickers up high so no one can take them down. Or something. Someone actually even referenced that back in the Daily Texan. <laughs> So here's here's one thing I'm going to say, and that it's the difference. It took Mr. Rocket Baby a long time, but we have reunited and disbanded again really fast. Really? Um, yes. Okay. It's like a hot potato. <laughs> um, <laughs> your band seems that you guys were friends and you kind of went off to do live stuff. No one would like left with one finger in the air, right? No, it, it really when we broke up, it was kind of, sad and bittersweet, you know, we just had, you know, particularly Meyer and Matt, um, were slated to go to med school, you know, they, right. and they had been preparing to do that and right, been right. studying for that for four years. So when the time came, Meyer actually deferred a year 
to play with us. We had just finished the CD, I think. And, you know, at that age, you don't really, you kind of have pie in the sky um, ideas about what's going to happen to your band, you know? So come on, man, you got to save for another year. And, you know, you can't go to become a doctor because we got gigs to play. So we did that for a year (laughs) and then it was time for and then it was time for Matt to go to medical school. And we had two, you know, we had two guys who were ready to go and get out. So, you know, it was all love. We, you know, there was no, there was never any, anything bitter about that. Um, and remained great friends for 30 years. I mean, all of us have been really great friends, kind of even daily week, weekly conversation type friends, you know, um, the band had just bonded us, I guess. Um, and then, And then we had little, we dabbled in a little thing here and there. We kind of redid a tune five, six, seven years ago called Mailbox in the Garden, but it wasn't really a full band thing. We kind of piecemealed that a little bit. So this is, you know, really the first time in 30 years that we've gotten together um, as the full members with any kind of seriousness to it. Not that we're that serious about it now, too. We're still having fun, but... Yes, yeah, so you guys got back together, and then when did when did Mister Rocket Baby get it was back together? Like, uh, uh, like ten years ago or something. And it was yeah. for a did show. Did you guys do an album? Or? No, no, no. We just, show. we just did a show, and it was it was it it, it was weird. I I thought like, oh, this would be cool because we left on such bad terms that like it'd be nice to just get together and hang out like when we first got together, and we were really happy to be there. But man, it was yeah. so weird. Well, it was just well, like, weird with one other person, but not with it. But it was it wasn't as as uh, it it wasn't as altruistic. I had a band later on called Gaudi, and we actually got signed and everything. And I remember someone asked us if we would reunite and do this show. And when I when I told the guys in the band about it, one of their responses was, "I'd I'd much rather just like book a weekend, like." at like an Airbnb away from everything (laughs) with a pool. And we just like set up in a living room and just jam. And I was like, shit, man, that's fun. Yeah. Anyway. So, uh, all right. So when you ended up getting together after that, that thing, like six or seven years ago was during the pandemic. What somebody emailed somebody else and was like, Hey, I got a song idea. I can't remember how it happened. It may have happened just as a, not as a joke, but as a whim, somebody would say, Hey, let's get the band back together. Something like that. And we all just happened to be in a perfect spot. Maybe it was pandemic related or what it was, but it just sounded like a great idea to all of us. Yeah. <laughs> you know, let's like, let's do this, you know, let's have some fun. And we had a group text going and kind of, you know, the idea was simmering on a group text over a month or two. And it would just seemed really fun. I think we were all really enjoying the interaction and the communication and then, uh, then we started like submitting, you know, what about, the, I have this song, I have this song. We started bouncing song ideas back and forth to each other. And then from there, it just was inevitable. It just kind of happened. And then we we're like, okay, we're going to look at some, we're going to try to get back to Cedar Creek in Austin. That was an original, <laughs> uh, an early, uh, an early idea that made it kind of a reality. And then Matt Hart looked it up and said they're they're available we could book at these dates and then before you know it, we kind of like had something penciled in two months down the line and then we got really serious about sharing the songs back each and forth with each other like new songs and that was super fun you know to have get a new song from it 
or get a new song from Lila or Matt and kind of say, okay, I love this one. This is great. Let's definitely add this to the short list. This one. All right, let's push that one back. You know, and we might not get to that, but we each submitted a handful of songs and then it was just kind of obvious, like, wow, this is great. Love to do this one until we kind of whittled it down. So yeah, to, to actually make the decision to get the band back together kind of was very easy. It seemed very natural and, the timing, you know, 30 years later just kind of worked out perfectly for some reason. Did you guys do some recording there, or a new, uh, like in the 90s at Cedar Creek? Was that why you went yeah, back there? Yeah, we, okay. we, we did our we did our CD there, the blue CD yeah. with Mr. Banana Head yeah. and that sort of stuff. I don't know how, I can't remember how long we were. We were all super green back then with recording. It was one of the first, you know, I think it was maybe the second time we'd already, we'd been in the studio. Um so yeah, we did the. We were there for I don't know, maybe a week. I can't even remember how long we booked it how with fun, Jim though. Wilson. You know, Jim. Oh, it was so great. I mean, I, I remember it was during like finals week. I remember I was like very much into the band at that time, not so much into my studies. I remember missing a biology final of all things that day. I remember like, hey, y'all, I have I actually have a final today. I'm not attending. Um, <laughs> so that must have been. So it must have been in the spring we were there, oh, wait, or so- maybe it was the. Uh, I can't remember when we were actually in Cedar Creek. It's that that memory is Jim Wilson, it might be written down somewhere. Jim Wilson, the mastering guy. Yep. Oh, yeah, he's my Jim friend. Jim Wilson, we the mastering guy. Together. Oh, really? What band were y'all in? Uh, we were in a band that uh, it was called God Drives the Galaxy. Awesome. Yeah. yeah. Jim and Matt Hart. Jim and Matt from the band. I think knew each other from high school or growing up from Dallas. Knew each other from the Dallas scene and. Jim produced that album. Oh, us. right, because Matt was in a band with uh, with Rhett Miller. That's right. That's right. That's right. I was Jim affiliated with them somehow? He may have known those guys too. If I'm not sure. Yeah, Matt was in uh, Matt and Rhett in high school were kind of songwriting duo partners. Had a little band together. That sort of thing. Where Where were you from? Before um, I was in I was in Houston. Okay. Um, Kit was in Houston in Clear Lake. I was in Kingwood. Um, I'd actually moved to Houston from Southern California midway through high school, but okay. my Texas Avenue to UT was through Houston. Um, Lila lived in Dallas, I believe. Meyer, the drummer, is from Memphis. Matt was in Dallas, and Kit was Houston. So, so I I saw that so, Kit, that Kit stayed like in show business. And you stayed in show yes. business. Did you, yes. you move to, when did you move to LA? Um, Kit and I moved to LA together. We were a couple in college. Okay. Um, and moved together right after, maybe a year after college. I, I was working at the Relax the Back store for a year. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, Actually, Meyer and Matt from the band all worked at the Relax the Backstore. I can't remember who got the job first. I think it was Meyer, <laughs> just like delivering delivering chairs on the sales floor a couple of days a week. So the year after I graduated, Kit and I were there, kind of, and the band had broken up at that point. Jit had just freshly broken up, so we were there working on working on tunes. I still had my eight track. All right, wait, did I just get my eight track reel to reel? Then I think I just got my eight track reel to reel. We were just, you know, still wanting to make it in the music business, but college, I mean, looking back on it now, when you're in college, we just were so green, really. Um, 
What's funny? But yeah, spent that last year. Oh no, go ahead. Go ahead. That last year you spent doing what? Trying to get another band happening. Lila, Kit, and I all kind of talked and did some stuff, but it just you know we were so used to having Matt and Meyer, both of which were very um, on it, you know. Yeah. So they they contrib- they contributed that to the band, and when we didn't have that, we were a little bit more. Like, how do we get this thing together? How do you book a show? How do you do any of this other stuff? You know, every band needs a hustler. You know what I mean? Like you got to have a hustler in the band. So important. Yeah. It's so important. Um, so we didn't have that. The three of us weren't that. And then, yeah, that, that year for about a year. And then Kit and I moved to LA. We had a friend who we knew, um, at UT, actually a bunch of people started moving out, yeah. moving to LA, doing that sort of thing. So we just kind of were part of that packed up, moved out there. And then we both kind of did our, then we, we broke up shortly after that, but we, we remained friends. But at that point I was kind of, you know, vaguely getting into wanting to produce albums and that sort of thing, but never had that go getter attitude with that stuff. So I just kind of spent my time in LA producing here and there, never really writing any of my own songs, maybe a little bit. Actually, I did a little bit for a few years, but just kind of lost the desire to do that too. Um, but yeah, I was working producing bands in LA for a while, worked with this band um, that Kit was in. We were So Kit and I, to give you a little bit more round out of the story, so we broke up and kind of did our thing, and Kit met another guy and started dating this other guy named Mark, who had a great band. And as they were looking to embark on a first demo or something, Kit said, hey, well, my friend Rod, my ex-boyfriend Rod, good friend Rod, um, produces, so we could bring him in and that sort of thing. It ended up being great. And, you know, we had this band called Sumac. Um, the Kit and I, a fellow named Mark, and two other guys were in and kind of did that for three or four years and really pursued it hard, really kind of did the, we want to make it in the music industry type pursuit. And we had those kind of engine type people in the band with Mark and Dan. Um, So that was good. Yeah. And Sumac was really fun. We signed a deal with D2 records back in like 1999, put an album out with them. We put out two independent albums on our own before that, um, all recorded on my eight track reel to reel. And then, um, signed a deal with V2 and then within a year had been kind of dropped kind of things didn't go, you know, they had pie in the sky. At least they were, you know, kind of gave us that whole, there's so many singles on the album. We don't know what to pick, whatever the whole A and R label game, which we were just, we, we ate it up. You know, we loved it. They flew, we were in LA at the time and they flew us out to New York. You know, we were just like, Oh my gosh, it's happening. You yeah, know, it's yeah. happening can't believe it all this hard work yeah um so yeah we put a cd cd out things didn't go good we had it was we were kind of a we were an interesting band we were very of the time in la we were kind of very back influenced and soul coughing kind of this hip-hop based folk thing yeah kind of um what sumac was and yeah that ran its course and i think we that kind of ended we kind of lost the record deal in 2000 or that just kind of didn't lose the record deal. That just the labels just stopped being enthusiastic and it was, the writing was on the wall. Um, so kind of extricated us ourselves from that. And then after having visited New York 
so many times. I just loved it. Um, and then just decided that met a woman here and then decided to move and left LA and left that whole thing. And that was in 2001, I guess it was. Um, Kit remained in LA and continued to act and her, and you know, she, she would tell you better than, than me, but she did a lot of acting, yeah. was acting in commercials, acted at a number of, she's got a, a long list of scrubs. acting credits, yeah. you know, scrubs, iCarly, um, she was in a bunch of stuff. Her, her scrubs stuff is great. She's in this singing episode and she's able to sing during the episode. And, That's awesome. Um, she was in a few episodes of that, I think. So yeah, we both pursued the entertainment business, you know, me music, her acting mainly, but she's had, um, she has another band called the artists, artists, her and her friend Jean do, um, soft rock covers of the seventies and eighties two acoustic guitars That's harmonizing. Nice. And she's been doing that for, she's been doing that for 10 years or so. Um, so yeah, she's stayed, she's stayed in it musically. I mean, everybody in the band really has been pursuing musical stuff since I think that Kit and I maybe pursued it as careers, quote unquote, whereas Matt and Meyer both, even as doctors have had a very vibrant recording. That's that's <laughs> good because sense. I was, I was going to ask, was it, did anybody have to like relearn their instruments or anything like everybody's been playing whether, you know, whether they've been doing it, that's great. you know, kind of on the side. Lila as well. Lila's been writing songs and doing that sort of thing. Um, Meyer, Meyer actually has really produced a lot of music in Chicago. He's been kind of overseeing a lot of projects, kind of executive producing projects. His, his deal is he'll drum with your band um, and show dedication to that and the whole thing. And he's done that with, you know, maybe four or five artists through the last 20, 30 years. Meyer's done that a lot of which have stayed consistently with him. I've worked him, with him on a bunch of projects. He's been my go-to drummer on a bunch of stuff through the years. Um, so yeah, we've all been, you know, we've all been doing music still. That's so great. It wasn't a huge leap to get back into it. This song life is what you make. It is fantastic. And it's, it reminds me of uh, doing this, doing this podcast and it, having gone through the pandemic and stuff, I started getting people's pandemic records kind of, or at least their singles by the end of the summer of 2020, there was a lot of angst, a lot of yeah. tension, a lot of, a lot of, uh, you know, just, they, they were just, they were covered in 2020. Like these songs were just oh, yeah. miserable, lonely, sad, <laughs> confused. I wrote a few. I wrote plenty. Yeah, I wrote yeah, plenty yeah, of those yeah, yeah. sad, lonely uh, pandemic songs. But then I noticed in 2021, people started putting out these records that were loaded with hope and they all had great dance beats and shit. And people were like, dude, <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> Even like the saddest exactly. songwriters, like Darden Smith is like, Hey dude, I'm making a new record. It's just a drum machine, a synthesizer and me singing. But like, exactly. But, um, this, this song has that sort of like post pandemic, like, all right guys, come on. It's going to be okay. You know what I mean? Yeah. Let's, yeah. Thanks. Yeah. Let's have a little fun. It was meant yeah. to be simple. It was meant to be singable, simple chords, you know, kind of, stupid chords really you know that sort of thing um yeah thanks a lot it was you know it just just kind of came out there wasn't too much preparation to writing it that was one of those songs that just kind of like picked up the guitar and said okay i'm just gonna strum and kind of spit something out you know and see what happens try to come up with a simple line a lot of the songs i've been writing her 
can get verbose. Yeah. Not that it's good or anything, but it's just like often I'll have different lyrics for the second chorus even, you know, it's like, well, is this a chorus? If you're, if you're not repeating the lyric, you know, like it'd be a whole new, it'd be a whole full set of unique lyrics as opposed to repeat, repeating things and stuff like that. So that, this is also an attempt to cut down the amount of lyrics there are, you know, sorry, you got a glare there. I'll bend to the right here. Um, That was, it was, it was an attempt with that, you know, and then that was the verse part. And then the chorus gets a little bit more chordy. There's some minors and some major to minors and all that good stuff there. And that was kind of, that was, it was actually a separate song. It was one of those deals where I had that front bit and then it's like, boy, I got other little bits of songs that I'd love to find a place for that I really like. And it took another chorus that I had from a song called Marathon that had kind of been one of those. It was actually a post those who dig song that I demoed up <clears throat> a little bit, maybe with a couple of the members, but not the full band. And it just kind of took that chorus and said, you know what, I'm going to lock that chorus off because the verse that it has now, I don't love. And I got this verse I really like now. So whatever, it was just kind of a mashup of those two things and then worked, worked together. Well, I thought, yeah, you know, going from a C, going from a C to an A minor for a chorus, it's, down to, down to work. My friend Kyle and I have conversations about that chord change and what what is it? What is it about that chord change in any key just feels so good? And then you go through all your yeah. favorite songs of history and like at least three quarters of them have that change in it somewhere. You know what I mean? <laughs> you can't avoid it. I mean, honestly, that's, I take, try to take inspiration. It's fun to write songs that are very complex and that you can impress yourself with, you know, but does that necessarily translate to an audience liking it? So, you know, most of the music I like is, it can be simple. You know, I'm a massive Tom Petty fan and it's right. just like, there's nobody that can write a song. It's so simple. And the lyrics, you know, if somebody else were to play that song for you, you'd be like, wow, that's really simple, dude. You know, keep working. But when Tom Petty does it, he has a way of threading that needle where that's it's correct. just classic. You know, Classic. but it could be the most simple, could be the most simple thing in the world. I won't back down. Let's just repeat that 10 times. Yeah. You know, um, so took some inspiration for that, you know, try to, for that, for, you know, life is what you make it. Something simple. That's basically it. Yeah. And the record's coming out <laughs> in the spring of next year, the full record, right? Yeah. That's our aim. We're not done with it yet. Are you going to play some, close. I think, I think. Play some shows. Sorry. I'm sorry. Sorry to, uh, are you going to play some shows? Yeah, we're still working that out. You know, that's another part of the the thing is playing live. You know, we'll need to rehearse for that <laughs> more than just a couple of times, yeah. you know, so we don't embarrass ourselves out there. Um, but we definitely want to play shows. I, you know, we're looking at South by Southwest. We applied whether or not we get in, we'll see. Um, that's kind of where, it, we don't, that's kind of where it's, it ended for you guys, right? After South by Southwest '93, that was that was, yeah, that yeah, was our it, last of the big. Yeah. We knew we were breaking up when that was happening, so it was it was bittersweet. It was very fun. I think it was Liberty Lunch. We had that show. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. It was it was it was great. Yeah, we'd love to play live. I'd love to play live. It's, I miss doing that sort of thing. It would be fun to get out there. But we're hoping to get some rehearsals in. We're we're still finishing up the record too. We have. Um, we started in Austin. We had, we've done a week in LA twice. Um, I've been doing stuff at home. People are recording remote and sending me stuff. So it's really a kind of a modern approach to recording this. We've 
gotten together, like I said, three times for little chunks. We're getting together in Chicago um, in a few weeks to kind of do another three-day together session, knock out some harmonies, kind of experiment a little bit, that sort of thing. It's cool, though, um, that you yeah, still make it. Ta- is- sorry, sorry. I hate Zoom <laughs> because of this no, very no, no, thing. Yeah, no, so yeah, the, the the plan is to have it out late March. That's the that's the goal. Get the recording done by the end of this year, and maybe drop another single in the beginning of December is our goal. We've got to get to finishing up that song, and maybe another single in January. Um, yeah, we've we've really enjoyed working with Juice. They've been they've been great, and it's been a really you know nice to have some structure and some people yeah. on the team helping yeah. out. They all seem like. Uh, outstanding people so yeah they are they're really good people so, I've, I've been dealing with them for years on this show and yeah. also i ended up high after working with all the different publicists they were the one i chose to work with when i put something out a few years ago uh, awesome awesome all right so i want to talk about sort of the history of those who dig because i have a lot of questions because oh, sure um okay so when you guys when you guys got together and started as a band so I, the, the thing that I have is like how a band that to me had, it's hard to get that sort of notice like you guys got. Same thing with Mr. Rocket Baby. Like bands don't yeah. normally get that much recognition and that much love yeah. that fast. Like your band was around 20 months. Same exact thing with Mr. Rocket Baby. Like we were gone by the beginning of 95. <laughs> yeah. We were off the thing there. So uh, you guys, you guys met and got together. What was sort of like the the thing that brought you guys together, and how did you guys all become a band? Um, well, I had met Matt through a mutual friend. Um, a girl I went to high school with had met Matt. Um, I think during spring break, and I remember her coming back to Houston where we lived and said. She said, Rod, I met this, you know, and she, she and I talked a lot of music. She was a big Beatles fan. Um, and she said, I met this guy. I really think you're going to like him. He's loves the Beatles. He plays music and sort of like, so kind of going into my freshman year at college, I already had this mutual friend meetup thing. Um, knew I was going to go in and meet this guy who our mutual friends said, Hey, you two are going to get along. So it kind of started like that. Um, I can't remember what band Matt and I saw, but I remember it was on the campus and Matt and I've talked about this. We both remember it. There was that kind of, there's a, maybe a fountain right yeah. where you cross the drag to come in. There's out yeah. there. And then there's tech, uh, cactus cafe here. You know, um, if we saw something at cactus cafe or Texas tavern or something like that, and then just walked around and we just had one of those bonding experiences that, uh, couple of dudes might have it's like yeah i love this band i love this and it's so great and blah 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 let's let's get together and play our guitars and did that and then just happened very quickly we just became fast friends very quickly um and we started working i had a four track recorder so we started matt and i started recording little four tracks that sort of thing one of which he played to Meyer, who was in his French class. Our drummer was in Matt's French class, and they had got to talking about bands and that sort of thing. And Meyer, or Matt played um, the demo we had made called Rainy Day in Santa Fe, which was a song that he had written. Um, played that four-track recording for Meyer, and he liked it enough to be like, okay, I'll come hang out and jam with you guys. And that's kind of 
how it started. It was the three of us, um, and there was a fourth member, and we had a band called Second Season, which we did one cassette, and that was kind of our very first pre-those-who-dig band. We recorded a cassette, and I can't remember the name of that studio. I'm losing it geographically as well, but it was a studio, not Cedar Creek, something else, that we went and did like a, a long weekend or something like that. House. Two days. Gosh, that's familiar. That could be the Congress. Have you seen that written somewhere? Did someone write that in our bio? No, I that lived could be, there. That could be. Then. Oh, really? Yeah, 91 to 93. Where was that? I, I'm not going to be able to place it. I can follow up with you. Possible, that's mad. But yeah, so it was, we had that band's second season and kind of made this cassette. And then the bass player we had at the time, it wasn't, I don't think it was a total match. He was a really nice guy, but I think we had different ideas about we wanted the, how we wanted the band to be and all that good stuff. So then it kind of, the second season kind of ended for a bit. And then maybe it was that sophomore year in college, Matt and I decided to live together at University Towers. I think that was sophomore year. And it was that summer we were there where he, he and I just wrote a ton of songs, um, demoed them all up on my four track. Um, and it was must have been 15 or 20 songs we did then that kind of all turned into the, the early those who dig stuff. Um, and at the time, Kit and I were dating. So she and I used to harmonize and sing all the time. Um, we lived at the Castilian and our relationship kind of formed. She and I would go to the stairwell, the, the, the echoey stairwells in the Castilian and, you know, play and sing Simon and Garfunkel songs and oh, harmonize awesome. and stuff. So we were kind of, we're, we were kind of doing that separately as a couple. Um, and so Kit joined, then Kit joined those who dig. Um, so we had a different place, bass player for our first cassette. And this is a, another great guy, great bass player, great musician, but he didn't love our style of music. We were at this point, we were pretty silly. The those who dig thing was pretty, yeah. Um, we were a fun and good loving, and he was more of a serious jazz musician. Um, so that he, I think he ended up leaving the band. We went on a, a tour or two with him. He was a really nice guy, but like I said, he was more into jazz. He wasn't into the sweater song or sweaters and all these different song titles we had that were fun and silly and meant to be crowd participants and that sort of thing. Um, but at the time we had started playing and because of that silliness and fun loving, I think was probably one of the reasons that we caught on as much as, as yeah. you know, the little that we did for some of these other bands. Like you mentioned, there's a lot of, a lot of people getting bands out there and we never made it to that level, you know, to the big level, but to make it somewhere in the middle here, like Mr. Rocket baby or those who dig did was a feat in itself and sustains you and sustains your energies enough that you could go play a show and there'd be a hundred people there, people that you didn't know. Yeah. You know, which is a lot better than having seven people there that's like your sister and yeah, your yeah, yeah, girlfriend yeah, and whatever. Yeah. So we kind of graduated to that mid-level and that's when we got serious about it. We're like, wow, we could actually make it. You know, we're all 20 years old at the time too, a little bit naive. Um, so did you guys, get, yeah, you know, I guess. Did you guys get like a manager and stuff? We did have a manager, our friend Mark Grossman, who was great friends with Meyer originally. Um I think we all just kind of became good friends. Um, and Meyer was a ZBT in Greek life. He was a ZBT and so was Mark. And we used to re rehearse at Meyer at the 
in the basement at the ZBT house for a year or two, maybe. I could be wrong uh, on the timing, but we spent a lot of time there. And Mark was around during that time and was interested in management and that sort of thing. So very naturally became our manager. He did an outstanding job during the time. That's another thing that helped us quite a bit. A lot of bands don't have either someone in the band or someone outside managing him. It was really helpful to have somebody who was dedicated to getting us gigs, following up with people, you know, kind of representing us in that way. Um, Mark, our manager was great at that as was Matt. Yeah. Hart, the, you know, lead singer. Did you, did you, I'm so oh, sorry, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. Go ahead. Did you guys do showcases for any labels? We did. We did a showcase for Amazing Records, I think is what they were called. I remember that I think label. That was a Austin, I think that was an Austin yeah. base. They were kind of, I think, had a, couple, had a couple of blues artists, maybe, and Mark, our manager, hooked that up. They, Do you know the Amazing Guys? I, I, I remember their, their, their slogan. If it's a hit, it's amazing. <laughs> that was their slogan. That's right. That's right. That's right. I always thought That's that was kind spoken, of weird. Actually. That was kind of. I thought it was kind of a weird sort of like. Well, <laughs> if yeah, if it's a yeah. hit, you're lucky, buddy, because we're not very good over here. <laughs> At least yeah, that's exactly. how I read it. Exactly. But I would have thought. Yeah. I would have thought that just like, like in the energy of the songs, there was this accessibility. I could see like a thing where where labels came and they were like. If we could just get you guys to be a little bit more like uh, whoever it was, like a little more like Soundgarden, <laughs> and still retain well, we your got whatever. That. Yeah, we got that. And I have a little bit of a you know, there's a little sore spot with me because at one point I was very. I've never been a live performer. I've never been. I've always been a behind the scenes guy. You know, it's like, um, and there was one point that they came to they, the label came to watch us and their note. I think was you got to drop D. They got to drop the, the the really boring <laughs> guitar player guy that just stands up there and kind of looks down at the chords and looks what his hands are playing. You know, it's just like you got to drop that dude. And I really was, I really was crushed. I remember Mark telling us and kind of not knowing whether to break it to us or something, but wanting to be honest with us. I remember him saying that, and you know, at that time I was writing some of the music, you know half or more of the, of the music. I remember thinking to myself, well, then what do you guys, you know, then what, you know, um, what's going to happen? So that did happen. I recall that kind of being, but that was a good, I don't know. It was like, looking back on it now. I'm glad that was the, you know, that was the dialogue then because it kind of, I don't know. It made me think, all right, am I cut out to do this? Do I need to kind of get better at this? What do I need to do? I mean, it also solidified that I'm just not a live performer. I've never been, I've never had that, I'm going to come out here and grab the audience by the, you know, by the balls and let's, let's rock them. And who's ready to party. I've always been like kind of a little shy, a little nervous getting on stage and that sort of thing. Um, so, but amazing, but amazing wasn't right for us in general. I think they maybe only yeah. had a couple acts at the time. Yeah, yeah. And they were, and that's the other thing. Well, that, well, that was the, I think that was their framing for me is I was not a, guitarist in the ilk of Stevie Ray Vaughan or any of the other yeah, yeah, guitarists yeah, yeah. that, yeah. that come through Austin. That that's the first thing people are looking at yeah. is this person, a blues guitarist, you know, yeah. I wasn't a blues guitarist. I was, I was playing a Rickenbacker and yeah. arpeggiating everything and jangling. I was an REM guy, you know, that was yeah. kind of my influence, more of a song guy, more of a chord guy. 
So I don't think the label really okay. understood us. So, th- I mean, at the time, it wasn't like the band was going to say, okay, you're out, Rob, let's go. We're, we're reaching the stars. That, was, that wasn't going to be the case because I think everybody realized, ah, these guys just aren't understanding our band, you know. Um, but yeah, we had attention from them. I don't know if we got, I can't remember, nothing, nobody huge. There was never like, you know, you hear the twang, twang, shock of them stories about how they were in the office and Sony, you know, and all this stuff. That We never got to that thing so funny i made them i made them tell the story on the podcast and mark proct tell the story who was their manager at the time i mean i i love that story for some reason that story is lore and i remember at the time you know knowing it it, knowing it too but uh it's austin lore and but at the time also i think you know our popularity we were kind of on the coattails of the twang twang shaka boom craze you too. guys definitely like they, had that sort of like you could have been a band on a bill with poi dog and and twang twang with no problem yeah, yeah. and we kind of loved that and that's kind of what the scene was you yeah. know it's like yeah, okay yeah. this is the scene we and they were doing that and we kind of co- we definitely copied them they were playing in the west mall and bringing hundreds of people out on a wednesday afternoon at noon where they play out there kind of in front of texas tavern and we started doing that <laughs> we started like going to the exact same spot, picked another day and started playing out on the West mall. And that attracted people too. That was another way that, you know, people do, you know, it's just, it was such great publicity. You're playing right here in the West mall. And then you're like, tonight at eight o'clock, we're right across here yeah. at Cactus cafe yeah. or whatever, you know? Um, and I think that was a smart, smart move by us to just do. And it was just fun. We were having fun. I don't know if you ever saw, remember those, but we were super goofy. You know, we had a lot of percussion. Oh yeah, no, 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 totally. I did see you guys. But you would run around the people and jump around and stuff. It was, you know, it was, it was really fun. It was definitely a a time, you know? I really, I mean, I I really, I was very into your band and I was, I can't remember when, (laughs) when it was that I got into the band, but like whenever that blue record came out, I remember like playing it for people and being like, listen to this Mr. Banana Fish song. These guys are not fucking around. They know what they're doing. This is the Uh, kind of band I want to be on. Thanks, dude. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thanks, dude. Thanks, dude. Yeah. That's why I'm pretty sure, I'm, I'm pretty sure I, I tracked you down. And asked you to write, so especially I'm like, oh, his band broke up. Well, fuck, he's not doing anything. Hey, man, let's write some songs. Yeah, yeah. I remember, I remember coming over to your play. I mean, it's all kind of blurry now because honestly, it was 30 years ago. Yeah. <laughs> you know, um, and there's a lot of a lot of water under the bridge since then. But yeah, I remember that. It was super. It was super fun. Um, but yeah, that's a little bit of a sketch of the early those who dig. What it was. What about um. Like what were your who were your bands like who were your 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 the bands in town that you were kind of bros with at the time? Twang Twang, we yeah. knew those guys. Um, uh, who else were we bros with? Oh shit! I didn't call Jeff. I Jeff this last weekend Haley. 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 Yeah, what is what was happening there? Lives in New York. Oh, I see. That's right. That's right. I should have. I never knew him that well. And I, and I probably knew those guys less than the other people. I think, especially our, our manager, Mark Grossman, I think has stayed not close, but has stayed in contact with David through the years. Um, like I said, I was so shy. I'm still kind of am. I was always kind of like, I'll be back over here. If you guys want a couple of songs, you know, that sort of thing. <laughs> um, even with other people, you know, everybody else, was kind of like, hey, it's, it's kind of funny that I managed a band because I kind of had to I change I and be the, <laughs> yeah. I had to change and be the network. 
I was never the networking type manager either. I was always like, the, I, I'll be back here. I'll knock out these, I'm responsible. I'll knock out these emails. I'll negotiate on your behalf and come up with ideas. But I was never like, Hey, 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 yeah. never been like that. Uh, I probably could use a little bit more of that. Did you, by, uh, um, but yeah, off, who was a bro off the subject? Did you hear that, that, doc, uh, the, uh, the podcast that, that, uh, that Jeff did about twang, twang, chocoboom? Um, was this the one with Catherine Cuellar was affiliated with? You I know, think Catherine so. Cuellar? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I heard some of it. I heard some of it. Um, I think, that, yeah, I think Jeff and Catherine were collaborating on that because we're doing a podcast. Catherine's doing one with us now. We're kind of in the works. Oh, on. really? Um, awesome. Because that one was so yeah. fun to listen to. Like, I love really? that one. Yeah. It was just so I heard good. Just a little bit of it just to check it out. It took you to a place and they had not just the guys talking, but like the fans and the people that were hanging out with them. And it's just like, I mean, I don't know how much it would mean to someone who wasn't around at that time, but just like, you know, yeah. you can almost smell the times. You know what I mean? You can almost smell the patchouli. Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> it really can. It was such a distinctive feeling time. I mean, it's college too for us. So right, it's, right. you know, a very nostalgic, very wonderful time in my, in my back in my back memory. Isn't it? Yeah, funny? Twang Twang, I mean. Oh, sorry, go ahead. I was going to say Twang Twang really took off. I mean, that like, I would, really I hesitate to even compare, I, I hesitate to even compare us. You know, I think we were, we were definitely, we had a, a regional thing and people thought we were fun and, and liked it for a bit, but Twang Twang really, I mean, and David is just, you know, he's just an undeniable talent. And yes. has just obviously gone, gone on to do his thing, you know. Yeah. It's been fun to follow him actually. Yeah, silently follow him from behind through the years. Every once in a while, I'll like a photo of his, but that's about it. I don't know that he knows me that well. He might know me a little bit, but you'd um, be surprised. I've had, sure had some, I've had some drunken nights where we just start talking, like we'll zero in on one band, like the Flying Saucers, like John Sanchez band in the '90s, and just talking about like or Sixteen Deluxe or something, and then just like like freaking out on yeah. it, like yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, well, I'm curious. Can I ask you a question? Yeah, sure. How, what's your, how about your, how'd you get into the podcast thing and how has this been going for you? Well, it's been going, well, you know what? It's gone really well. Um, and, and one of the reasons why is because, uh, I, I started when I did, like I started in 2011 when there was open field and you could get some wow. kind of footing, you know what I mean? So I, I've been able to yeah. maintain this footing where people pop up podcasts, but then like even Jeff Haley, he calls me the, the king of podcasts, but like, I'm not by any means, but awesome. in, in this world, I'm almost like a Joe Rogan or something, you know what I mean? Or Mark Maron or 2011. Something. You're like seven, eight years ahead of the curve. I mean, like, I mean, podcasts have been around for a while, but it really didn't kick in until mm -hmm. the pandemic. Maybe. I don't know. Uh, it started kicking in, in before, before serial. Yeah. That that podcast came out in 2014 or that's 20, right 14 yeah 2014 or was that first, 14 okay yeah for the first few years I would have to go like uh I have a podcast and then I'd be like no 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 it's not on the radio no you just you just kind of download it no no it's a real thing <laughs> yes no and people listen yeah, to yeah, it yeah. you know what I mean yet there was yeah, a, yeah. you had to explain exactly what it was and like people were just like what yeah are you kidding me yeah that sounds fake yeah yeah that's like, awesome. yeah that's awesome. I was noticing myself. I've, I've always loved the. Uh, I've always loved my community a lot, and especially this one's very special. 
and I feel honored to be able to be a, a part of it and to have not gotten kicked out yet. But I, that's great. I wanted to connect with, stay connected. And, and as you get older and you're not like the Mr. Rocket baby, Johnny, that you were, you know, at one point, then all of a sudden people's successes are almost like a tax on you. You know what I mean? Like, why is that guy doing that? And I'm not. So I didn't, I, I always, I always had older musician friends. I knew the ones that were jaded and I could see ones that just hated everything that was coming out. And it was just like, why it's a, like, yeah. it's, why is it so threatening to you? And so uh, one of the supposed things, to be fun. <laughs> yeah, it's supposed to be fun. You're supposed to get excited when someone else does well. So one of the things was to yeah. be able to, to stay connected in that way and to be able to champion people as opposed to like, why the fuck is those awesome. who did getting back together? Mr. Rocket baby didn't make an album. We just played one stupid show. You know, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it's awesome. It's yeah. awesome. Really value you doing that. Cause there, there are a lot of people that, you know, I think we've always been supportive. I've always been, I've always, I love my friend's music. Yeah. Like at this point, it's kind of the only thing I, it's kind of the only thing I listen to. Like people ask, what are your favorite bands? It's like, well, I don't really listen to that many bands that come out, but my friend Mark has a new album out. It's awesome. You yeah. know, and this, you know, that sort of thing. I've sure. really been like that for a long time. It's, it's the stuff I like most. I mean, I, I love great other music. I love great music when it comes out, but I don't have that seeking out the stuff right. vibe that I used to have, right. you know, I'll let the cream, I'll let the really great popular stuff come to me. And then, but I'm more interested in my friend's band, yeah. you know? Yeah. Um, and a lot of, a lot of which are really good, <laughs> you know, yeah. as good as anything that's out there and that sort of thing. I just had, uh, there's a great book that just came out about the DIY underground kind of like punk scene that was happening at like the cavity and chances is actually in there. Um, but the cavity really? and emos and uh, electric lounge and hole in the wall and kind of like those where all the 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 spoons and the yeah. and the sixteen deluxes came from and all that stuff. But um, it was just yeah. interesting being able to like I remember having a lot of friends in that scene and going to shows in those scenes. But I remember going to the cavity once to go see fuck emos and just being like, why would anybody play here? Like, you know what I mean? Like my band ended up being a, a uh, Mr. Rugged Baby kind of ended up being a steamboat band. And part of that was almost by design. Like once we played there, I was like, well, this place has good lights. It's got great sound. It's got a big ass stage. I look like a rock star in here. Sadly, when I go to emos, I just like like some dude in the audience. And that was just like, I was so <laughs> focused on success that I just sort of like was, I was like, this is too like homegrown people having a good time every day. I I want to I want to go to France and stuff like <laughs> so. I want to be on the stage. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, which is hey, I mean, you know, we all we all have our our thing. Where did you Where did you hang out yeah. during those times? Like, where did where was your places that you got your haunts? Um, I mean, we spent a lot of time just running about campus. You yeah. know, well, uh, that Texas Tavern and Cactus Cafe scene. We're so cool. We're so awesome. We're yeah. so awesome. And it was, you know, student run productions. And yes. We found ourselves getting on, getting, getting on different gigs. I think we even played, I have to confirm this, but I guess we, no, maybe we didn't play with them or maybe we just thought, but we, you know, there would be every once in a while we'd find ourselves opening for somebody bigger. I can't remember. I want to say Poi Dog at one point, but I don't want to miss 
represent that because I can't remember if we just saw them at Texas Tavern and then played at Texas Tavern a separate time or if we happened to, or if we were first on this four person bill and they were last. I right. think that, I honestly think that was the case for some Texas student union event or something like that. Um, where did we hang out? Well, eventually we all kind of moved to different spots. Like, um, I had moved, Kit and I had moved to, I guess we were living in Hyde Park at the end, but we'd also, I forget what the name of the area is, off 24th down, kind of near Enfield Road. Yeah, what yeah, is that yeah. area back there called? Um, Lake Austin Boulevard. You follow Enfield down and run in Lake Austin, Boule- or Lake Austin Boulevard and all those kind of Clarksville? new restaurants. No. I don't know what that area is back there, yeah. but we just kind of like, the first couple years of college, I was in the dorms, Castilian and the University Towers. And then after that, yeah, we were in an apartment out there. I don't know where we hung out. Hole in the wall. I was, you know, like I, yeah, we, we played there a handful of times. We'd hang out there. Hung out at Texadelphia, getting cheesesteaks right down the road from there quite a bit. I love although that it's place. Just gone. Yeah. Um, it was a lot of camp. Oh, well, there was Rosano's, the pizza place. That was kind of became our go-to gig. We kind of, that was, worth mentioning i think yeah is, what was that i was we, reading we, that I, I mean in the list of shows we, you you and then, and then changed its name like formerly Rosano's or something yeah it was it was zapoli's i think or Rosano's, and i can't remember which was which yeah we we eventually had been playing and booking shows here booking shows there and there was this pizza place that had kind of like a pizza buffet and we went they didn't have shows there we went in and said hey can we how about setting us up here on thursday nights from seven to nine or seven to 10 yeah. and we'll bring people in. You'll get pizza and you'll give us beer and that sort of thing. And that ended up being a really popular thing. That was kind of our main go-to. And I can't remember what night of the week it was. I feel like it was Thursday night or Sunday night. We had a standing gig at Rosano's, which was right there. What, what's the location? It was by kind of like a block from mad dog and beans. It was right. kind of on that Castilian street, but yeah. like a block. If I remember Remembering it correctly, I think it was right up there. Um, had big glass windows in the front, so you could be playing in there, and people could be walking by and seeing you. So we kind of made our, made our own venue. We kind of were the first to do that. Said we'll show up in the corner here, and that's where we really, you know, I think that's where things were starting to build because people knew we could they could be there on the Thursday night. We'd play. They were getting pizza buffet. We're playing silly songs. That was kind of our main hangout, main gig spot. And we also had our final show there, which was kind of an epic, you know, 30-song blowout where we just played everything we had, all of our covers, a bunch of silly made-up stuff, that sort of thing. We have a video of that we're trying to digitize. Um, but yeah, Zapoli's, Rosano's, that was kind of our main, the last year or so, that was our main place. Yeah. I mean, haunt. You know, I was talking to a, a, a friend of mine, uh, this guy, Paul English. He didn't remember your band, I asked him. Mm, uh, Paul English. Yeah. Not 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 Willie's drummer, a different guy. Oh. Um, so, uh, we, but we started talking about, about that, uh, that time and that sort of like that era and just how cool those... Uh, you could do stuff like at a pizza place like that and turn it into a whole scene, you know? Yeah. 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 And the owners of the place went with it. I mean, they were, they could have easily said, no, we don't want some band in here, but I think they saw that they were selling a ton of beer, 
selling a ton of pizza. It ended up being, and I think that place turned into it. Someone told me it was a venue after that. Like it continued to be a venue and they started booking other bands at Rosano's after we had left and done our final thing. I don't know if that's true, but I think it was like maybe a jazz venue for, wow, or I don't know if it was an officially a venue, but they kept on putting on shows there. Yeah. That era was great. So I mean, great. that was, it was also our age at the time this. too. Cause we were, we were talking about like, he was like, remember going to the co-ops, like the Pearl street co-op or the 34th street co-op yeah. and seeing shows. And I'm like, fuck yeah. And then we were like, he was like, man, I wonder if we could do that now. I was like, dude, we would go to jail. Like we're dudes in our mid fifties, like walking into. Hey, got one of those red cups? I'd like to stand in line for the draft. Draft beer. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It was of the age, and it was of the time. It was a special time. It was that kind of post slacker. Yeah. Vibe. Yeah. You know, it was every, everything was so easy. I mean, looking back on it now, you know, it was all so easy. Really, you walk so out your easy. I lived at the Castilian. You yeah. walk out the Castilian, and your you know your gig is two blocks down. Yeah. You know. And we're banging on the drums, banging on pots and pans. And I got an acoustic guitar. It's like, it was such a simple thing after living in New York. And you're like, Oh, we got a gig. Oh my God. Is there a sound check? It's like, you gotta get to the other part of town. It's like, it was a very special time that you don't really realize while you're there, you know? Yeah. Um, I mean, we all loved it. We, we all had a good time, but looking back on it, it's very easy to get nostalgic about Austin in the early nineties. Yeah. For sure. Yeah, you might want to check out this dude's book, even though it wasn't directly your scene. It it reading the book was so fun on that level. Like I was just I was what, having a great time. What's the book? It's called A Curious Mix of People. And it's uh Greg Beats, who was a guy book. that wrote for the Chronicle here for a long time, and this guy Richard Weimark, who moved here after you guys were kind of a band, but he he worked on remember Capsize? Remember yeah. Access TV? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I just, yeah. dude, yeah. I, I just went on there a month ago again. Really? I still get so excited awesome. to go on Capsize, man. Great. Yeah, that seems that seems great. That seems super fun. Yeah, we did. Well, we had a show on Access TV. I can't remember what the show was, and it was you, it was you a funny one? bill. It, Are you? Yeah, one? we had a we had a. We played one. Oh, we played I thought you meant you had your own one. show. I was like, oh, shit, I would have no, watched no, it. No, 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 uh, We played some kind of thing back in the day on public access, and there's a video of that floating around. We played with, um, who was the band? Retarded Elf? Yeah, Retarded dude. Elf, they were on the bill. Yeah. And it, it wasn't our bill. Like, that was a funk band. That was the funny thing about Austin. We were always, and there was a little bit of a, a, a thing between, yeah. not, not, there was never any kind of like East Coast, West Coast thing, but there no, were no, no. funk yeah. bands yeah, yeah, in yeah. Austin and talented musician playing bands that probably looked at those who dig if, they, if we were even on the, on the radar at all and thought, wow, these guys are really cheesy, you know, or really silly. Did um, you, were, you, were you friends with Wubba, the singer from, uh, from Retarded Elf? No, Dude, you, I didn't know. you know what he became? A fireman. No. He's a fireman. Really? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So remember, awesome. Gosh, there were so many bands that came through. I remember the whole the Soul Hat era when Soul Hat was just so massively popular and getting into that gig that they had. They had like a weekly gig or yeah, something like the that. Black was just like, yeah. Yeah, that was like the tip of popularity at the time. I remember. Yeah. Austin's so fertile for great music and weird stuff and you know it still is really great hey when you when you guys come back down if you come back down to do something next year if you come down for south Park, so we should get together and have a coffee or a drink or something 
Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Would love to see it. Maybe finish we were that talking song. About get- <laughs> Let's do it. I would love to write a song. I love collaborating. I love collaborating, actually. It's so much more. I like, you know, being by myself, but it's so fun to, to collaborate with people and, yeah, and kind of get different ideas. You know, like this album, bringing it back to the album. Those are sure. Go ahead. Um, that's been the most thing, the new one. That's what's been really fun for us is back in the day, Matt and I wrote the bulk of the songs. Um, there was some, you know, we had, uh, Lila had one or two songs per thing, kind of the George Harrison would have one or two right, right. killer songs on an album. But then Matt and I would write the bulk of it. But this album, we're all contributing. There's four songwriters. Um, Kit submitted two gorgeous songs and she's not, hasn't really written a ton of serious songs in the life. She's done a bunch of fun and fun songs. And she's great at writing that sort of thing, but she, committed two songs to this. Lila's got two songs. Matt and I each com- contributed a couple. So we have, a you know, four different perspectives after 30 years more of life. So it's been a really fun album to like That's so put cool. this together and find the songs, find the songs that work together. And it just makes everything easier because then you only have to write two or three good songs per album <laughs> as opposed yeah. to 10, you know, I it actually- really, it really, you get your strongest stuff. So I love collaborate. If you ever wanted to collaborate, I love collaborating in a project where we're working on your tune and now we're working on my tune and stuff. Yeah. I, I just, it opened my eyes. This new, those who dig album to that type of collaboration. Super fun. I just um, actually got in a band with like four songwriters and singers. We just started a band. That's great. Yeah, that's great. Are you guys going to do some recording or are you just kind of piece it, piece it, figuring it out right we, now? We, we played a gig um, the night before Halloween and it was awesome. Cool. And, um, awesome. It, that, that whole, like not having to write all of the songs for the thing is a great feeling. <laughs> it's a great feeling. Yeah. Cause you know, I've like, always got a couple two, songs. Have, you know, yeah. <laughs> or get a couple killer ones in the back pocket that <laughs> yeah. are just kind of like, <laughs> yeah. I can, I can, or, or not, we're not ready, but it's like, I can come up with, I can raise the bar and give you guys two really good songs for me, at least that yeah. sort of thing. Well, man, congratulations on this. This, okay. this, uh, this Life is What You Make It song is fantastic. I hope that the rest of the record is that good, man. If it is, maybe you guys will quit your day jobs and go out and play again. <laughs> hey, you never know. It could, you know, it could be a new story now. I feel like we're cooler now than we were back then just because <laughs> we're Dude, I, such a diverse, whatever, weird group, you yeah. know, that sort of thing. Yeah, I, I will say, like, when I went on your Spotify like 64,000 <laughs> listeners a month is, that's a lot. <laughs> it's incredible. I have that's no more idea than why the original, that That's more than the people that were listening originally. <laughs> by far. Yeah. By, by, by yeah. a long shot. By a long shot. Yeah, yeah. I hope that keeps up. I mean, I don't know what that, I don't know what the nature of that is, to tell you the truth. I don't know if it's like a algorithmic glitch or if it's, just kind of good promotion and just hit people at the right time. And, you know, the Spotify, the Spotify thing has been such a, a mystery to me. Yeah. You know, up until now. Um, yeah, it's been great. Thanks for noticing that. I hope it continues to go up when it gets a hundred K I'm going to, I don't really post on my sites, but if it hits a hundred K, I got to put something up on my Instagram about that. You have to. It's worth, it's worth noting. I think. Yeah. 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 Well, man, yeah. It's been great talking to you. Is there anything that you want to you want to get in before we go? People can find you guys at thosewhodig.org.org. Yep. 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 They can find us there. We're going to be, you know, putting out another single 
hopefully the beginning of December, maybe something in January, but yeah, we'll be trickling stuff out. Maybe there'll be a music video coming out sometime, but you know, the main thing is we're working hard on the album and that'll be out end of March probably, which will just be here in a minute. Great. Be here before you know it. You got to work with one of my favorite, one of my favorite engineers and musicians, Andre. Oh yeah. Andre was awesome. Fuck. He's awesome. So you know, Andre, that's great. We had a great time with Andre. We'd love, we'd love to get back there. Um, it's funny. I mentioned, I have another, my friend Tanya is in Austin and a great musician and runs like a songwriting school and all this fun stuff. Um, and pursues her own, writes her own great music. But I was staying with her in Austin for the first couple of nights. And when we got to the studio, I said, Hey, do you know this guy, Andre Moran? And she freaked out. Yeah. She like, she's like, he's like the best guitarist in Austin. He's like the greatest guitar. He's like, I love his band. I love his wife's voice. I love, I love everything about this yeah, guy. Me too. Um, and I was like, oh, but we feel like we're in great hands. Uh, he was great. Cedar Creek was so fun. Have you spent time at Cedar Creek? Have um, you recorded there? Uh, well, the Congress house where I lived, they took over Cedar Creek. They moved into Cedar Creek. So that's like the new Congress house. I have been there like drunk and not working. Like just hanging out. Gotcha. Like <laughs> just hanging going out. to the couch. Come on, come on yeah, over. Yeah. Let's get drunk. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Sit on the couch and drinking listen to some tunes yeah yeah um well man it's been great talking to you i'm glad that we reconnected i'm sorry we didn't do this last week we could have hung out on friday too awesome well if you ever come back to new york please get in touch be awesome to see you in person and when we're, when we're down in austin we'll for sure hang out and have a drink and yeah please and, do. Uh, and chill out maybe maybe even write a tune but I'll, I'll keep in touch with you do i have your do i have your info anywhere um, i can I, I can send it to the those who dig uh, Instagrammers. Are you there? On are you on that? Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. Pass pass your info to those who dig, and uh, and, and and we'll have that. And we'll get in touch with any future stuff. One quick: Is this podcast is this live or is this no, something no, you no, edit no. and put put together? Um, I don't really edit much, but I I do. It'll be out like in three weeks or so. I think three weeks. Awesome. I might be wrong, but yeah, awesome. Yeah. Cool. It's been great, great to see you, to you, Johnny. Thanks, thanks, thanks so much for this, and thanks for having us on your podcast. We really, really appreciate it. Yeah, man. Thanks for doing it. When I saw that name, I was like, "Wait, what?" And then, yeah. So, thank you. I'm glad yeah, you no guys are still making great music. Sounds great. Thanks so much, Johnny. You're really welcome, appreciate man. it. We'll, we'll talk. We'll, we'll talk to you soon. Talk to you soon, buddy. Bye. Okay. Take care. Bye bye. Gang, that was Rod Sherwood from the band Those Who Dig, their single Life Is What You Make It, which you hear underneath the music right here and right now, or underneath me talking. Uh, that is available now wherever you find music. Born Again, or Begin Again, their album will be coming out later, Alan, this year. Hopefully this spring. Find them at thosewhodig.org. And don't forget, gang, when you're out there checking out thosewhodig.org, you can uh, you can subscribe to this podcast wherever it is you find podcasts, be it Spotify, Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, Overcast, anywhere. Ask your Alexa, ask your Google, they'll play it. Play the latest episode of How Did I Get Here? And they do it, baby. They do it. All right? Have a great weekend. Whatever it is you're doing, stay safe. Gotta keep those resolutions, man. Don't smoke. Don't eat that sugar. Don't drink that coffee. Don't eat that beef. Have a great weekend. Let's get down. Is only an illusion. Time is only an illusion. Time is only an illusion. Time is only an illusion.
Only a 